Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. When your life and your business grow as a result of what you're about to discover, please call me and tell me about it. The number to leave a voicemail is 1-888-844-GROW. That's 1-888-844-4769. Long distance charges may apply. Dial now to call me, connect, share your personal story of how my interviews have helped, or share your current challenges and frustrations so I can connect you with an appropriate course, coach, or help you if you connect. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always. And today we're joined by a mind reader, a hypnotist, and collectively founders of an online software as a service platform called Response Suite. Response Suite is a tool used to create surveys and improve your email marketing using personalized segmentation. I've asked them to join me here today to help us understand how we can use surveys better, plus improve our performance based on feedback we get from clients. So, Rob Temple and Kennedy, thank you for joining me. How are you two doing? We're great. Really, really excited to be here. Right. Had me had me breakfast. <laughs> Feeling good. There we go. Yeah, for those that don't know, this is like attempt number three or four or something to get this interview. So we finally got it off to the, to the races. Thank goodness. Um, so response suite, you guys here, you're into email marketing, you're into surveys. Surveys are fantastic. It's one of the most tried and tested proven, uh, methods to use as far as feedback anyways, in, in marketing. I think the earliest reference is like, at least that I know of is like 1906 or 1916. Um, but before you guys even got into surveys, before you got even into email marketing, how did you get involved in business? Do you guys come from entrepreneurial families or what did you? Yeah, is this your first business? How did you get started? So I think when I was like, I don't know, 10 years old, I was watching the TV and there was there was a, a magic show on television and I really enjoyed it. We used to sit down every Saturday night with my parents and we used to sit on the floor in my living room. We did have furniture. We weren't poor, but we uh, we had furniture, but we thought it was a treat to sit on the living room floor and, and have, a, have a takeaway every, every Saturday night. We used to watch this, this magic show on TV called the Paul Daniels Magic Show. And I loved the show. I never wanted to be a magician, but I loved the show. And then this guy came on and he said that he could read people's minds. And I was like, wow, the ability to like understand other people and know what they think, why they think those things, probably was satisfying my youthful paranoia. So I decided that I might want to investigate doing that kind of thing. And then fast forward quite a few years later now and when i was 18 years old i became a professional mind reader of all things that means i basically ended up performing two or three times a week at conferences events after dinner product launches all over the world for big brands you have heard of tiny little brands that you've never heard of using a combination of psychology statistics body language understanding people and being able to influence people and all wrap that up in sort of like a comedic sort of thing which looks a lot like i can read people's minds so that was all great and really fascinating. And I still do that to this day, still two or three shows a week. But one of the things that, that meant for both Rob and I, um, I know because he, he'll tell you his story in a second, is I ended up with a lot 
of wasted or spare time. I basically spend a lot of time in airport departure lounges or on the train or in a plane or basically in a hotel waiting to go on stage or wait or after a show having been on stage and I'm just waiting for the next day to come where I can fly home or whatever it's going to be. So there's a lot of dead time and I wanted something to do during that dead time. And that sort of brought me onto the line, this idea of online marketing and making what they called back in the day passive income. And Rob, you've got sort of a similar story, haven't you? Yeah, so when I was a kid, uh, I was about four and I saw a magician at a children's birthday party. Not not on the telly, but at a children's birthday party and became obsessed with magic. I was a weird, shy, nerdy, nervous, terrified. You're still weird now. <laughs> terrified child who had no mates. Very similar to today. Um, anyway, and I basically, I uh, I became obsessed with magic. And I, that was it. I, start, I got a magic set. Um, and the magic set actually was put out by Paul Daniels, the guy who had the TV show that Kennedy just mentioned, who's a household name here in the UK. So any British listeners will know who he is. Uh, and basically, um, we I, I became obsessed with magic, started performing at every given chance. I was going to be a magician. That was my going to be my job. I went to school and stuff, obviously, but I was going to not not Hogwarts, but I, I was going to leave that and be a magician. And then when I was 14, I saw a hypnotist do a comedy hypnosis show. And that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And I was like, hmm. Now, lots of magicians like branch out into other things um, like juggling and ventriloquism and stuff. And hypnosis was just my thing. I was like, I need to learn that. So my dad paid that hypnotist um, to teach me how to do it. And I studied it for a couple of years, like between the age of like 14 and 16. And then when I was 16, I started doing it semi-professionally alongside my exams at school. And then when I finished all of that stuff at 18, when most people here would go to uni uh, or get a job, I basically said, right, I'm going to do this. Uh, my dad said, take a gap year and see if this entertainment thing works. Um, so I did. And that was when I was 18 and I'm 31 now. So uh, it's gone all right. But along the way, I moved to Greece and I was performing um, summer seasons. So for like eight, nine months a year, I was in Greece performing for mostly British tourists who went out there on holiday. And I was doing between six and 11 shows a week. Uh, but again, like Kennedy, it just left me with loads of spare time during the day, sat around. Um, I mean, it sounds lovely, sat sitting around the pool and uh, sitting at pool bars and stuff in Greece. But I just had loads of spare time. I hate sitting in the sun because mm -hmm. like, I, I just get bored. So I found this whole online business thing and we both did it living in different. I was in, in Greece. He was in the UK mostly. And we just both found this online marketing thing. We were mates anyway, but we just found this online marketing thing independently. And one day. After a few years of both doing it, we sort of touched base and sort of said, what are you doing with this online stuff? What are you? And we sort of, we both built these online information product businesses. Um, Kennedy had really started to pick up some traction with uh, with teaching entertainers, how, how he was getting as many gigs as he was and making as much money as he was as an entertainer. Um, I'd branched out into teaching hypnosis online and personal development stuff. So we both built these info product businesses and realized, actually, we're doing the same thing. We've got half of our life we're off performing at different events and whatever. And then half of our lives, most of our lives, were sat running these online businesses. So uh, it just it was it was really interesting that way. That's awesome. So what were some of the greatest challenges for you guys in figuring that out? I mean, sounds like you, you both found a passion early and you started figuring out how to do it as a career. Um, and other people look to you in your industry for like, how are you doing this and making money on a consistent basis? It, what were some of the like milestones that you had to figure out along the way, like the challenges that you faced? I mean, a bit like you, Daryl, you know, one of the things you do is you find ways of, you, you have to find a way to keep going when it gets really hard. And one of the things I think a lot of people do is they find a really simple thing that they think, oh, I can make money from that, or I've seen how other people have made money from that. 
But if you if you're not powered by a passion and a drive, that if, if you're not driven by that success that you want to achieve for for something more than just the money, then it's never going to happen, is it? You need to be literally in love, vehemently in love, in with with the idea of what you're doing. And that for me, the reason I help other entertainers is because I'm pig sick of seeing really great skilled entertainers, whether they be musicians, magicians mentalists, mind readers, hypnotists, jugglers, whatever they might be around the world, not getting the respect they get as a professional business person. But one of the things you hear all the time, if you're an entertainer, if you do anything, and you do like, I don't know, close-up magic at some kind of event, people will ask you, so what do you do for your job? Wow. And that's a huge insult, isn't it? Because people don't take it, don't take those people seriously. And that really frustrates people. That There are people not able to get a mortgage, not able to pay their way in life, because uh, in spite of the fact they are extremely skilled, they're really dedicated to their craft. And I decided, actually, that's not okay because there's a lot of people who are much better than I am who are not working as often as I am, and that just doesn't seem right. And you know the money's there in the entertainment industry. It's absolutely there. And all they need to do is have a complete switch in their mentality and their skills and their ability to interpret the same skills they've already got, which is generally problem solving. If I want to write a new song as a musician, that's problem solving. If I want to come up with a new trick as an illusionist, that's problem solving. And all I want to do is show them how I've used the same skills that I use as a mentalist, as a mind reader, to book gigs, to build a brand, to get paid handsomely the way I should do, and to create a really nice lifestyle for myself and my family and, and be, able to be able to rely on and scale myself to that way. So... I think one of the biggest mistakes that people tend to make is they're not driven by an absolute passion. And I've done it. I once, I, I, one, of my, one of my online businesses was training, teaching people how to become better salespeople. I, I launched a program called Persuasion Masters. It doesn't exist anymore. Uh, so you can save yourself that Google search. But I, I decided to start, start, start teaching people how to be more influential, how to be more persuasive. And why did I do that? Because people said, hey, you do all this persuasion stuff. You should teach that persuasion stuff. You'll make a fortune. And over the course of eight months, I made some really good money, probably some of the best money in the shortest space of time I've ever made in my life. But when it got hard, I got disinterested. And then when it got easy, I got even less interested. There was nothing driving me other than the money going, I'm making 100 grand a month, I'm making 100 grand this month. That's all fine, but frankly, it was boring. There was nothing challenging. And so for me, challenge and and absolute ease and simplicity become boring and disengaging because I wasn't driven. I wasn't passionate about helping people do that because what I was essentially doing is teaching people skills to go and sell more crap to people who didn't want to buy it. Mm. And we didn't want to, I didn't want to do that. So I literally walked away from the business and overnight said no to 100 grand a month, which sounds bonkers. And I'm not saying that to like impress anybody. I, I'm, I'm telling you I'm an idiot. Of course, I should have sold that business with my business mind that I've got now. I would have done something different, absolutely. But you have to be driven by a passion. Yeah, yeah but at some point, the money's not enough, right? And and so that's, no. like, persistence is a good thing because money isn't the end goal. Like, for a lot of people, depending where they're at, they're like, oh, yeah, I just need some money. But money is just an inanimate object. It's what you need the money for. And so the money is just a yeah. vehicle. It's like fuel for a plane. The goal of having an airline is not to get a lot of fuel. That's not it at all. It's to be able to take people from A to B. So you need that bigger mission. I know when I lived in Tokyo, I was making a ton of money too. And it was like you at one point, I was like, the money doesn't matter. Like I would pay somebody at that, you know, at that point I'm like, I would pay somebody so I didn't have to be here doing this. So I totally get that. <laughs> as 
well. Robert, how yeah, about you? It's... And what were some of your big challenges? I think one of the things that I tried to do was to scale too fast without having systems in place. One of the things that I think has really changed in my business in the last couple of years is the desire to systemize and process drive everything. So like, for example, I, I, I learned this really nifty little hack a few years ago, and it's such a simple thing, and I just didn't do it for ages, which is to make little sort of training documents about everything you do in your business. So the first time you ever have to set up a webinar and integrate it with some stuff, then you would make a little note about how you do it. And then that way, the next time it needs doing, you can hand it off to a VA or somebody else and they can do it because you've got an exact step by step by step by step Google document about how you did it. Yeah. So, for example, like we have a podcast too, the three, three marketers walk into a podcast. And when people when we get podcast guests want to be on the podcast, they fill out a little form and tell us about themselves and what they'd like to talk about in case we've not come across them before. And then when they hit the button, uh, it just starts, the, it kickstarts this system. Now, the first few times we did it all manually just so we knew, well, OK, now what needs to happen and now what needs to happen and now what needs to happen. But then very quickly, we said, OK, great, this needs to be automated. So let's put them into an email sequence. Then we'll do this. And then um, Grace here in our office will follow up with them with a message. And then that'll happen. And then that'll happen. And when the podcast goes live, this happens. And everything just works like a flawless system. Now, it's got so many things in it. I can't remember some of the stuff it does, but it's a really good system. We get a lot of feedback on how good that system is. They, our guests on our podcast tell us that they've never felt so nurtured, felt so warmed up. They've never felt like they've known the host so well. Then that absolutely, be, at this point, now we've got quite a fine-tuned system. And the system will grow. That's the great thing about having any kind of system is you can improve on it and you can grow it. But people come on the podcast and our relationship with our guests on our podcast is so warm. For example, we interviewed John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneurs on Fire mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. And people said to us, wow, how long have you been friends with John for? I'm like, we've never met him before. And they cannot believe it. A friend of ours who's a professional radio broadcaster for the BBC in the UK, I had lunch with him two days ago. And he said, how long have you been, this is who I'm talking about. He, he said, how long have you been friends with JLD for? And I said, I've never met him before. He said, the way he was speaking to you is like they, you, you were old pals. And it's because of our entire process that gets them to connect with our personalities, to understand where we're going to go with it and how it all works. And right. so that's just one example of having an absolute process. The other great thing I have about having a process is nothing slips through the cracks. How many times do these things happen where you think, oh, we're supposed to do this, and why hasn't that come off, and why hasn't that deal come off, or why we're not making sales there, or why did that suck, or whatever, whichever part of your business it is. If it sucks, it's probably because you haven't got a process. Mm. In general, that's the overarching rule. If something sucks, you probably don't have a process. So I definitely, I like, I like processes, but because they weren't, they weren't set in stone. They weren't systemized. They weren't automated. I was I was trying to grow faster, but I was still having to do loads of manual things. And I, I struggled to outsource any of that stuff. I struggled to take a lot of the work off my plate because it required me to be doing it. And actually, it felt quicker to do that thing that takes an hour every day than it did to spend three hours one day teaching it to somebody else. Like just this weird thing. I haven't got time to teach it to somebody else. I'm too busy doing it. And literally, it meant my business tried to scale faster than it could. And so I had a lot of, I spent a lot of time where I was making loads of money, but I felt like I was constantly chasing my tail and constantly putting out fires and, and stuff like that. And so for me, that, that was a really big, that was a really big Another thing. Another great thing, I want to just, now we're getting more passionate about this whole process and putting processes in place, because we're literally obsessed with it here at ResponseFeed. Like everything we do, we have, we do JV webinars with, with affiliates and we have like an automated process that we can set up a new affiliate with a complete webinar in like three and a half minutes. And that's not an exaggeration. That's literally how long it takes us to do the pages 
ev literally everything, the whole thing's done, right? Because we've got a process in place now. So, for example, and what the, what, another great thing about having processes in, in place is you then, have, you then are creating products every time. So, for example, if you've got a process, for, one of the things that Rob and I have both done is we run high-ticket coaching programs. So I, I've done one for performers. Rob's done one for entrepreneurs online. Yeah. And we've both been obsessed, independent. And we didn't know this until a few months ago. We've become both independently obsessed with how do you actually onboard people? How do you bring really good, highly qualified people onto your coaching program? And how do you bring lots of them on? And how do you not scare them off and get that, that fine balance between having, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of us use like application forms, for example, to, to, on, to bring people into our coaching programs. So how do you, how do you ask the right number of questions, the right type of questions to attract the right kind of people so you can like sort of persuade the tire kickers not to bother applying? How do you identify the uh, tire kickers who do apply? And then how do you also attract the people who are going to be great for your program? And Rob and I were sitting down one day talking about it and said, you know, this is a question I ask, this is a question you ask. And, and we started talking about the process that we go through to, to get these people onto our programs, whether you're, you know, co to coaching whatever kind of person you're doing. And we said, what? Do you think this would be valuable to other people who are coaches as well? And we had by default, without we probably spent half an hour briefing our designer, our in-house designer here, on saying, hey, would you put this together, all this research we've done on the psychology that we both understand about how to ask questions that move people towards a sale, on the colors, on the layout that works, on the questions to ask. We took all those little nuances of what we consider to be the perfect application form. We put them all together and we ended up with what ended up being like a free download that we give away called the perfect application form. So now when we're on our podcast or, or we're out and about and people talk to us about what they do, and we find out they're a coach, we say, hey, just go to perfectapplicationform.com and download our application form and you can just use it. But what's really important here is we didn't really do any work. We just fed to our designer, and the only reason that was possible is because we had a process, and we were going through that that, that linear process. So, yeah, what what it meant was that instead of in my old business, I was spending, I would if we needed if I needed to do that equivalent thing, I would write the content obviously, and then I would have to do all the bits to put it all together, and it would take week, well, it would take days, I mean, literally that's how you days. Put your squeeze page because in. I would do it. Yeah, oh, really, I would okay. do it. I'd physically build the squeeze page. I would physically integrate right, the, the autoresponder. I would physically do all of the stuff, yeah. and because it, because it just felt like it was going to take me too long to outsource it well to somebody else. But now we can do that with no work on our part, thanks to a process. Hmm. So uh, I'm definitely a big fan of processes and systems. I think hands down. Now, what would you recommend? Someone who's starting out or struggling, who doesn't have any systems, how do they get it up and running? How do they make it a living, breathing thing? I know that there's people that make it, so there's kind of some tiers, right? There's people that don't know and don't even know how to get started. And there's people that have made some, but they don't really live and breathe them. So what would you recommend to both those two groups? Okay, so let's talk about the people who don't have processes first. Is The first thing is to realize that you should have a process. And the reason I have a process is because it, if you have a process, it frees up loads of your time. Yeah. Secondly, it delivers a better experience for whoever the process involves, customers, suppliers, your staff, you, whatever it's going to be. And it just means that nothing falls through the gaps and it ends up happening faster and more predictably every single time. So the thing to do is to just look at everything that you're trying to achieve in your business and, and look at, OK, is there a process we can put in place for that? So we've just been talking about our podcast process, which we're really proud of because we get really good feedback on. So we looked at, okay, what needs to happen? Okay, we need to 
have certain information. Okay, so we'll put a we'll put a form together. Luckily, our own software platform, Response Suite, makes really intelligent forms and really intelligent surveys that we can then use to figure out whether a person is right for the podcast or not. So we use that. So we put that in place. But then what needs to happen after that? Well, initially, we thought we, if they qualify, we just take them straight through to a calendar booking system so they can book on the podcast. Well, the big thing with processes is they are constantly evolving. You're constantly learning from them. So you what we did is we took away that immediate booking system because we realized we were still getting some people on the po booking in for podcast interviews, which weren't quite a fit for us, even though they passed the criteria we'd put into the response suite system. So the first thing to do is identify where you want to put a process in and put a bare bones process in place. Just go, what's the beginning? What's the middle? What's the end? What's the input? So what are the people or who are the people who put the stuff into it? So it might be the person filling out the form. It might be the person who's, uh, who has to do whatever the, the task is. What does the process itself, what's that middle bit, what does that have to be? And what is the outcome? Is that it's going to email somebody? Is it that it's going to send an alert to somebody? Is it that it's going to send them an automated send them an automated email? What is that? What's the outcome going to be? Every process basically boils down to those three things. Input, process, output. The details of those things and how, and then you can start, uh, the details of those things and what they involve is where you get really into that nitty gritty and you can start having some fun and using your creativity or using your lateral thinking. So then you can start zooming into each of those bits. Yeah, that, makes a, that makes a ton of sense. I mean, I just, with one of my clients, we did something very similar where uh, just working on their sales process, we finally, I got them to map out the process first that they were using, right? Two guys, kind of like you, um, doing phone sales, got to map out the process. And then one day we talked in or one of our calls, hey, how do things go? Like how many calls, like how many leads you, you connect with, all this stuff. Well, we did 20 calls and, you know, we got 15 voicemails. Um, how many callbacks? No callbacks. Okay, well, let's look at your voicemail script. And because we had the voicemail script written down, right away I could identify why they weren't getting any callbacks. Because the whole the whole voicemail was I, 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 right? Like that was I it. love like, that song. Right? Like it's like, yeah, it's like I am, I'm calling you because I want this and I'm trying to do that and I, 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 I. And I'm like, no wonder they're not calling you back. They're too busy. They don't care about you. Let's totally flip the script right now. And then so we rewrote the script. And then I think they did 10 calls. They got nine voicemails and they got six callbacks. Right. And that's where, like you said, if you document it, if you know, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. If you can't man manage it, you can't grow it or improve it. So I think that's very, very powerful. Yeah. I mean, it's like with, with a process, if it's if you have that process, you know, that thing, hap thing one happens, then thing two happens. If you realize that people aren't getting to thing three, then there's probably something wrong with, with, with thing two. So just have a look at thing two and go, ah, the link in that email doesn't work. No one, no wonder no one's clicking on it. But if there's not a process, you can't figure out which, what the steps are or where the problems are on the steps because you don't know what the steps are. Mm. Yep. No, that makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. So, all right. So you guys started these businesses. You started figuring out, you saying you're doing high ticket sales and all that stuff. What were some of the other challenges in doing that? Like how do you, any other big challenges you guys had to come up across? Initially, I, I mean, certainly with high ticket, I spent a lot of time speaking to the wrong prospects. So I ended up um, having, so I, I would run some sort of ad in or traffic generation thing into some piece of content like a webinar or a video training thing or anything like that. And I basically found myself uh, getting people applying for strategy sessions and stuff to apply for coaching. 
And I was spending, I was doing it all myself because I really wanted to get to understand my customers as best as I can because that to us is one of the most important things in the world. So I was working through and, and I just found myself spending hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of my time. How many hours? Hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. Um, literally speaking to people who literally either couldn't afford to join the coaching, people who um, sort of just... They, they were at the wrong level of experience to join the coaching program. And I, and I just thought there must be a better way than this. There must be something I can do in order to suss out what where somebody's at before this happens. So um, so that was a big one for me in terms of trying to work out how to actually solve this problem. And I realized actually that the key here is a bit like the podcast form is really to say, OK, great. Let's ask some people some key questions about themselves. Let's find out where they're at right now. Let's find out what their budget is right now. Let's find out. Um, what they've done so far and what didn't work for them up to this point. Because truthfully, if, if they've tried to do the thing I'm going to help them to do, then maybe that's just not a good fit for them and the, and the way that they work as a business. And likewise, if they've been, um, if they're, you know, if they're an entrepreneur who's currently making a billion dollars a day, they're currently making more than me. So I'm, you know, there's no point in working with them. So basically, I, I needed to sort of work out what what are the key questions I need to ask in order to find out what these people want. And furthermore, more importantly, what do I do with all of the people who aren't qualified for the program? Because let's face it, there's always going to be more people who can't buy our stuff than can. There's always more people who don't have 10 grand than do. <laughs> and you've so, already paid to get them there in either time or in, in ad spend or something. So you, you've got to have a large pool of people doing that. So what most people who have sort of high ticket coaching, consulting or services do is the people fill out a form. Great. They sift through a CSV file or sift through the, the online um, platform. They look for people who look like they're probably a good fit, which is really just a sort of finger in the air type uh, activity. If, well, do they have them, that money? Okay, they got some money. Okay, great. And do they look like they're, they're they, can they write in English and, and not sound like an idiot? Okay, great. That, that's fine. Okay, great. And they sort of work through and go, well, that, well, maybe they're a fit. I'll maybe get on a call. And it's just so not scientific and not process driven. But furthermore, what it means is everyone else, all the people, which is most of the time is most of the people who don't qualify for the program, who are not going to get that call. Well, those people are just sort of sat there. And they, most of the time, they never hear back from you, which is a terrible piece of customer experience for the people who, well, the, a subscriber experience, I guess, for the people who are not fit. They should at least get a, this is probably not going to work. Like, so they're just sat there doing nothing. So we quickly realized, actually, one of the, one of the big things is we're paying money here for Facebook ads and Google ads and stuff to get people into this process. And then what's happening is most of them are just sitting and sort of rotting and dying, truthfully, in the bottom of this CSV file. So we realized actually what we really need to do is to take all of those people and put them into a sequence of emails and uh, phone calls and text messages or webinars or whatever to sell them other stuff. Let's sell them stuff like if they can't afford a $5,000 coaching program, they might be able to record the, the, afford the $500 recordings of our recent seminar. They might be able to afford a $27 ebook. You know, there's other stuff they can afford that's going to help them move forward and and you know keep them going keep them ticking over until maybe one day they can afford that coaching program so for us that was a big thing was realizing lots of wasted time and actually lots of wasted as bad as wasted time is wasted opportunity is having all those people sitting in the bottom of that thing but what's really interesting about those people if they can't afford your five grand program right now well if you if they can afford the 500 dollar thing right now then now they've now you've turned that person into a buyer and there's a huge a huge opportunity with buyers that's not available to us for people who are just mere subscribers who've never purchased from us yet. And what's great is once they become a buyer, you've got so much more ability to escalate them 
up through from the $500 thing to maybe a $2,000 thing. And then if you help them at that level to, to eventually buying that $500 thing. The problem is if you just discount everybody who can't afford your five grand thing, they're never going to become customers. And they become disenfranchised, your reputation drops, you're not helping anybody, you're not helping those people, and you're not escalating them, you're actually wasting that opportunity. I mean, just to put some actual numbers on that, I reckon, so I have a $5,000 coaching program, and I would estimate that around about probably seven out of every 10 people who apply, when, when, when they ask, what's your budget to invest in your business right now, they say $500. Now, initially, I used to get on the phone with them anyway, because I thought, well, maybe people are just saying that because it's one of the lowest options. And maybe they just don't want to, you know, maybe they're keeping their cards close to their chests. But I'm really good at that sales process bit. I've become very good at, at, at making the, the a close to the right customer on the phone. So in talking to them, I very quickly realized, actually, you know, most of these people who say they've got $500, they genuinely only have $500. Yeah, only have 500 yeah. <laughs> that, that, to, to, available to invest. And that means that, truthfully, at this point, they only have a tenth of the money, a tenth of the money. They actually need, they're 90% short of the money they need. Like, they're so far out. It's not like we could work out a payment plan. It's they are so far out from being able to afford. And I'm not in the game of selling people into debt or any of that nonsense. So if they just can't afford it, they're just not a fit. So I realized that actually, out of every 10 people who apply for the program, 70% of them could afford to give me $500. When you add that, those $500 up, that's a lot of money, right, every month. Um, that that's like that would well and truly cover my ad spend by itself, which means that all of the actual coaching sales are 100% profit. Um, you know, at the minute, most people look at their high ticket coaching program and they say, well, uh, it's $5,000 and people are paying that and it costs me $1,000 in ad spend to get that customer. So I'm making $4,000 profit. Hang on a second. What if you could make back that $1,000 in ad spend by selling loads of other people, the other stuff that you've got, the stuff that's cheaper, that takes no time to deliver because it's all automated, that is uh, that you've got anyway sitting on a shelf um, digitally. Uh, so suddenly all of your coaching stuff becomes 100% profit, and that makes a massive difference to your actual bottom line. Yeah, I think that's very, very well said. And I, I think it's also meeting the market where they're at, right? It's being realistic with where people are as opposed to trying to force a you know square peg into a round hole definitely so now let's talk about this so how are you guys segmenting people so here's here's a story um years and years and years ago about six years ago i had a uh, an email list in a really obscure niche it only had a few thousand people on it because like i said it was a really small obscure niche and um i wanted to run a survey to these people and the idea was I, I would run a survey because I, I was sort of torn between what I wanted to create next. What was the next thing I'm going to create to sell these people? So they were all customers because they'd been acquired through a product launch. They were all customers. There were no subscribers. They'd all bought something. And I was like, I need to work out what is it that these people want? So basically, I put together a quick survey. I sent out the survey. And as soon as I hit send, it went out to these few thousand people. A bunch of people obviously open the emails, click the link, take the survey. It's only three or four questions. And then afterwards, I thought, oh, crap, I, I, I want to email this out again, because obviously there's a bunch of people who didn't take it yet, didn't open that email. So I want to send it again. But now I, 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 well, I don't know who has taken it. So I can't like, I can't segment those people out of it. So I was like, hmm. So I called Kennedy. I was like, this is the problem. Have you seen a workaround for this? And he was like, nope. Did you ask for their email address? And I said, nope. I said, so literally, you just don't know who did it and who didn't. I was like, nope. So I was like, hmm, this is weird. <laughs> Uh, now, the other thing I did do is I took an old product that we had. It was the recordings of a, an old seminar, and I stuck it on the 
on the back of the survey, just so as an aside. So when people fill out the survey, it would immediately take them to a page where I would say, by the way, do you want to buy this thing? It's normally 997. You can have it for today for 397. Buy now. And um, interestingly, the conversions on that were much higher than they would be if I than I knew they would be if I just drove the traffic straight into the special offer page. So that was interesting. Come back to that in a bit. So I now had this problem where I now have to do the one thing I never wanted to do, which is to email a list saying, hey, if you haven't taken the survey yet, which is the most watery statement you can imagine, if you haven't taken the survey yet, make sure you do because it's really going to help me to help you out. Uh, and so for a few days, I did it. And, and the campaign went really well in terms of what it did. It got lots of people to take the survey. I was able to open up my emails and look at a pie chart of people who wanted different things. Happy days. Uh, and it made some sales from the, the offer I put after the survey, which it turns out is a really great campaign. Literally just run a survey, stick an offer after it with a bonus or a discount. And, and it sells really, really well. So that was that was that. So now I looked at the I, I brought up the pie chart and I looked at it. Basically, I can't give you the exact numbers because I, I can't remember what they were, but I'll give you a, I'll round them to uh, something that'll give you an idea. Basically, when I ran the, ran, ran the survey, 40% of people, so you've got to try and picture this on a pie chart, 40% of people said that they wanted help with a specific thing. So let's imagine that this was in the business niche. It wasn't, but just to keep it round, let's imagine it was in the online business niche. Uh, and this, that, that way everyone will understand this. Let's imagine that 40% of people said they wanted help with driving traffic, right? So that's that segment. Then let's imagine that there's 30% of people, they say that they want help with creating a new product, right? So 40% said traffic, 30% said creating a new product. Now let's imagine that 20% said that they wanted help with uh, writing sales copy. And then the last 10%, let's imagine that they wanted help with, I don't know what else is there, um, building funnels, the tech stuff, so building funnels, right? So now you've got 40% say one thing, 30% say another thing, 20% say another thing, and 10% say the last one. Now, that sounds great. What, what most marketers do, because this is like a standard thing, run a survey, find out what most people want, and then sell it to them. So this is roughly the results I got. When I looked at it, you would do what everyone does, which is say, well, most people want to help with that one. In this case, driving traffic. I better make a traffic product. But actually, if you stop for a second and you look at that pie chart again, and I'm no maths genius, but after a minute of looking at it, I thought, hang on a minute. 40% of people want help with that thing, right? That's the largest individual segment, but it's not most of the list. Most of the list is the 60% who said they wanted help with a variety of other things. Now, over time, in looking back in retrospect, both me and Kennedy, both doing this and our clients have found out that that is a really, really typical situation. It's very rare that you'll get 85% of your list want one thing and the, the balance only want the 15% want the other thing. It's really, really rare that that happens. So most of the time, it's quite an even split. So um, that was a problem because I thought, well, now if I create that product, which is fine, and the plan was I was going to sell it to them, put the product together as, a, as, a, as an idea, as a proposal, sell it to them and then make it once, once it was on sale. So I could, I could start marketing it really quickly after the survey. So I was ready to like map out the product and send out some emails to promote it. But when I looked at it, I thought, hang on a minute, I can't do this because I'm now going to email 60%. I'm going to email 100% of my list about a thing that only 40% of them wanted, right? But that made that made more sense than emailing any of the other three because they were even smaller segments. And that means that 60% of my list are going to get emails about a thing they've just told me they didn't want. And so this... I mean, that's a real slap on the face, isn't it? Hello, mm -hmm. do you want fries? No, thanks. Here's some fries. But marketers are doing it all of the time. Like, it's such a widespread thing. So I stopped and I thought, well, what's the solution? At this point in that campaign, there was no solution. I have, I was literally stuck. I had no way out. I didn't know who'd said what. I just knew that X percent had and X percent had. I, I didn't know who they were. 
And so I was, I was stuffed. So we, I, I called Kennedy again. And again, we didn't have a business together. We just had our separate businesses at the time. And I was like, I mean, what's the solution? So between us, we brainstormed. Well, first of all, you have to ask them for their email address in the survey. That's fairly easy. Great. I can do that. Then you have to segment those people based on the stuff they've told you. So at the time, it was a very linear segmentation. It was literally, I'm asking a few questions. And the questions were things like, what do you want help with? How do you like to learn? How much can you afford? And, and then what's your email address? So I was like, okay, great. So I can segment people based on what they've said they're interested in. How do you do that? Okay, so will you download a CSV file from the survey after everyone's taken it? And then you segment it into different CSV files by sorting it and splitting it and copying and pasting and stuff. Um, and you imagine how fun this is. And then you save the CSV files. So you'd save one as traffic and you'd save one as product creation and one as sales copy or whatever. And then you upload them back into your autoresponder, back into your email marketing software. I was using Aweber at the time and they are and still are, like most autoresponders are, very dodgy about people uploading and understandably about people uploading lists. Like you can do it, but they like look at you a bit funny. Um, mm -hmm. so, uh, so yeah, upload the CSV files. And literally it got to a point where we realized two things. First of all, this campaign is fundamentally at its core so effective that everyone who comes into your business needs to go through this campaign. And this applies to every business. Everyone who comes into any business should be surveyed to find out exactly what they want and how to do it and should be segmented. So what that meant was putting this into an automated sequence that goes out to every customer who comes in, sending them a survey. And then every single day, talking about processes, every single day, me or a VA or somebody would have to download the CSV file, sort them out, re-upload them and then upload them every single day now i don't know about you daryl but if you have to do that every single day two things happen first of all people start to fall through the cracks no matter how religiously you do it and secondly it is the most boring thing on earth profitable but the most boring thing you can possibly imagine it's boring but what we did realize is it's so profitable and we increased our uh, our retention rate of subscribers so our basically our unsubscribe rate dropped to the floor it's worth doing mm -hmm. and that's because one of the people say oh you know uh, people people why is it, why do people unsubscribe and they say oh it's because they get too many emails okay let me give you an example yeah, if no, i was getting true. an email they're, they're just they're just getting talked like they unsubscribe because you're talking about something they don't care about absolutely mate absolutely yeah. that's the exact reason because let's be honest, if I was getting an email every hour from a hot woman, I would not be unsubscribing. <laughs> because I'd be getting an email from somebody I want to hear from, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas if I'm getting an email about stuff I don't care about, even if it's once a year, I'm unsubscribing to it. So it's not about the volume of email, it's about the relevance of email. And because mm -hmm. you're segmenting people based on the survey results, you are only sending them emails about stuff they care about and want help with. We have this thing. We talk about how uh, we talk about how blanket marketing or send to send to all marketing is dead. Instead, we go for this thing called mass personalization, where you you send people the exact relevant offers, and it means they stick around for longer, and they stay engaged. They keep opening your emails because they know every time they open your email, you're going to be talking to them about something they care about, mm -hmm. rather than stuff they don't care about. Well, and. So if the evolution of that eventually is like I had my martial arts school and I did something similar to that where we would, this is years ago now, where we would ask them like, what's your number, what's your number one interest in training? Is it to lose weight, get in shape, learn self-defense? Like, what was it? And exactly like that, we would put them into a bucket, send them emails, right? And based on exactly what their answer was. But I think what, what eventually happens is if for people that pay attention, you start to notice your lifetime customer value. This is one of the things that makes it really critically important 
even we talked about optimizing processes and systems in your business and how effective that can be. Because what you start doing is like, it's this concept that if you're for everybody, you're for nobody. And so what happens is as you start optimizing in the segments, right, maybe you find out you have three buckets or three groups that you put people into, right? What you'll find if you track and pay attention is that one of these groups lends themselves to buying more of your stuff or needing more help, right, that you can help them with than others and being worth more your time. And so all of a sudden, if you revamp your entire business to become all about that, now your survey becomes micro-niched micro where – you know, like if I'm like, you know, if, again, just use a martial arts example, like what's, you know, what's your number one reason for training? You want to learn self-defense? Do you want to compete? Like what's your, right? What's the goal? And people are like, oh, I just want to, I just want to stay active. Oh, okay. So now I realize that my, the purpose of my gym is really about being active and that will refine how, like what sort of events I invite my group, like I, you know, what sort of customer events I plan, what sort of businesses I partner with, right? Like all this sort of stuff kind of optimizes based on sort of the 80-20 because every business has that. Right. Anytime you get a group of people, there's always going to be an 80, 20 that's present. So you might find lots of different niches. And like what you said in the beginning, do you realize that there might be 40% of your list is interested in X, but the rest aren't. And if you optimize everything, you optimize your ad, you optimize, right? Like the page. And if you're talking about online business, even if this is just an offline business, you have a restaurant you start surveying and figuring out what type of people come through and you realize that, oh, families are coming through. And why are they coming through? They're coming through because they don't have time right? Or the, to cook and to clean at home. So suddenly you start updating your restaurant to have more family spaces, to have more, right? Family friendly things, family meals, family specials. You start partnering and, you know, uh, dinner and a movie for mom and dad that partners with this, you know, this, what maybe with a martial arts school and the kids will do a karate class or whatever, right? When the parents are off to see a movie or do something else. And that just allows you to have, to become like, like, I don't want to say magnetic, but just incredibly attractive to your ideal target market because you're for them, you're about them. People don't buy shoes. They buy a walking shoe. They buy a hiking shoe. They buy a camping shoe, right? They buy a dress shoe. They buy, you know, mountain climbing shoes. It's a specific. Well, how many shoes can you think of? <laughs> right? I know. I know. I was like, I, I was like, I think they got it already. <laughs> Especially if I have a mind reader on the call. I'm pretty sure you got it after <laughs> the first one, right? But, you know, and Daryl, that's the reason you've been kicking ass for so long, and that's why you're the man, because you get that about that whole personalization thing about people buying not only different stuff, but they're buying it for different reasons. Going back to the fitness in the example, like I, I used to be involved in, in a fitness business, which we were scaling, and the reason people come along to, like, outdoor boot camps, for example, as one of the products you might think, oh, well, it's just people who want to lose weight. No, there's some people who do want to lose weight. There's other people who are training for a special event. Some people are in recovery. And the way you deal with those people, the way you entice them to come along, the way you nurture them through the difficult stuff is entirely astronomically different, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Hands down. Hands down. And this is something that so many businesses, I mean, they're going to get slaughtered in a lot of ways if you're not doing this sort of thing. Because it's in, in today's world, there's so much noise. It's, it's all about being hyper-responsive. It's all about... Or hyper relevant and hyper responsive, and so that's two things that are incredibly, incredibly powerful. Yeah, and all of this is the re is the exact reason that we had to found response. We we had because we needed to be able to do this, but we could not find a survey platform that allowed you to integrate with your email marketing system that in in ways that we needed to. So that based on each response that people make, if they choose, hey, I want to do this because I. I want to lose weight, that like you could put them onto a different list or tag them differently or whatever mm. automatically based on the responses without having to do this manual labor. We could definitely see, as we've said, and we all, we all, I'm sure we all agree because we're all, you know, we're smart people here. 
we know that that manual labor of downloading that CSV file and doing all the sorting and re-uploading them was definitely worth it because the return was incredible. But doing that every day, people do fall through the cracks, and it's bloody boring, right? Mm. So we were like, how do we automate it? So one, we can save some of our time. But two, so people can't fall through the cracks, and they're automatically, immediately put onto the right list. So they start seeing offers immediately. And and that's that's one of the reasons we had to found Responsory, and we had to develop it because we needed it for ourselves so we could actually do that. So now when someone joins our list for one, on, on, or in any of our businesses, one of the very first things we do is we – we have a thing called a getting to know you sequence where we, we warm people up and get get them to know us, but we also want to get them to get to know them. And the way we do that is by saying, by the way, we'd love to find out how we can help you best. Here's a survey, go and take it. They go take the survey. And now as soon as they've done that, they're no longer going to get an email sequence which says, hey, please come and fill out the survey because the action of taking the survey has taken them out of that sequence. Mm. And now they're going to see offers or not even just offers, but other assistance, content, warm-up content, whatever it's going to be, nurturing, di- relationship deepening, or, or offers, so, which help qu- them with their exact thing. Question. So two two questions, actually, in one. Uh, first one is, how long does your getting to know your sequence last? Is it 21 days or less? And the second one is, how many data points do you pivot off of? So um, our, our email sequence is definitely shorter than 21 days. Uh, the getting to know sequence for us is four emails. Um, so the first one that goes out to deliver the thing they've probably given their, their email address for, that doesn't count. So let's imagine somebody puts their name and email address in for a free report or they register for a webinar or something. The thing that delivers the thing they've just asked for, that's a separate thing. They get that. Four hours later, it sends the first email. And that literally is a bit about us. It's a bit of blurb and it's got a link to a survey in it. Um, and then basically what happens is the next email goes out. Now, these four emails, one thing that we will say is actually the way we do it now, these four emails go out to everybody, but we stop mentioning the survey in the emails once they've taken it. So we use um, a thing called conditional content. Some email service providers can do it. Uh, email marketing solutions can do it. Um, basically, it means that when somebody has a certain tag, a paragraph will or will not appear inside an email. So we have the same four emails that go out over four days that just give them other stuff and a bit of an intro to us and our philosophy for whatever the business is. But at the same time, there's a reference to this. Oh, I know she didn't take the survey yet. Click here to take it. Tell us how we can help you best. And literally, the minute they take the survey, that paragraph just stops appearing in those emails. The alternative way of doing it, if you can't do that conditional content bit, is just take them out of that sequence and put them into a different sequence. But the sequence that we do is only four days long. In terms of the amount of data points that we collect, the way it used to be done when we did it manually was it's just we're going to ask three three questions, basically. And those are things like, what do you want to know? Well, they're, they're relevant questions. So we say, find the key questions that you need to know. So if you're a local business and you only deal with people in a particular area, then you need to find out where people live. Because if they don't live near you, then you're going to have to get rid of them deal with them some other way so uh, like that kind of thing so for us as an info product business that was very much a case of what are you interested in right now like what do you need help with it was things like um you know how do you like to learn do you like video courses do you like webinars do you like blah, blah. Uh, likewise if you're in the fitness niche you might need to know whether somebody's male or female you might need to know whether they're young or old you might need to know the stuff that's going to help you to you know, deliver the best possible results so whatever your key questions are they can be demographics they can be geographics they can be whatever you want so what happens is we would ask those questions and initially we as quite, um, you know, again, we were just kind of testing this out, would just segment people purely based on their interests. So which of these do you need help with right now? Okay, great. We'll pop you onto different lists or tag you differently based on that. Now, we've now, now that it's automated with response, we, we can do it smarter than that. 
So now we can tag people based on everything. Like if we ask three questions and each of those three questions have four possible answers, you know, radio button, uh, multiple choice answers. Well, that basically means that they can choose one from the first question, one from the second question, one from the third question. We can tag people based on all of those things. In the fitness industry, that might be, are you male or female or prefer not to say, which is a thing now. So people will say, well, I'm male. Great. We'll tag them with male. Uh, next question. Are you 25 to 35, 36 to 45, 46 to 55, et cetera? And people choose a category and you pop them into the right age bracket. Okay, great. Uh, which of these do you want help with right now? Do you want help to lose weight? Do you want help to build muscle? Do you want help to recover from an injury? Or do you want help to train for a marathon or something? And again, we pop them in the tag, tag them with the right system. So now what we end up with is effectively this like matrix of tags inside the system where everyone might be that you know they might have the male tag and they might have the 25 to 35 tag and they might have the bodybuilding tag or they might have the female tag and they might have the um the you know 35 to 45 tag and they might have the lose weight tag now if we're going to produce a product that's about how to lose uh, how to lose baby weight after pregnancy well we can be pretty sure that there's one like we, we know which tags we need to search for in order to do that promotion. So for us, it's a case of ask three or four questions in the course of a survey and then tag people based on that. We actually do a, a free training webinar about email marketing where we teach and sell response week. Uh, and basically, one of the things that happens is when somebody registers for that webinar, we run a little survey to them and say, great, we're really looking forward to the webinar to make sure we do the best possible job of the webinar answer these questions. And the questions are things we need to know. So it's uh, do, how big is your list right now? Do you have no subscribers or do you have a few subscribers? Do you have a million subscribers? We need to know that. We need to know, how, do you mostly do like email broadcasts or do you mostly do follow-up campaigned automated emails? And what email service provider do you use? And we need, we need to know those things because if you use Active Campaign, we can teach you some ninja stuff you can only do with Active Campaign. But if you use Infusionsoft, we can teach you some ninja stuff you can only do with Infusionsoft by using Response Suite. So we, how we use it with different platforms is different. So that stuff's really important for us to know. If you're an Active Campaign user, an Active Campaign release a new feature that works really well with Response Suite, we can just tell you about it. So we wanted to release, we wanted to get that matrix of information. So when someone fills out that survey, so you would fill it out. You'd say, okay, name, Daryl, email address, whatever your email address is. Uh, question one, this, question two, this, question three, this. We now know that you have a list of X. We know that you mostly do broadcast emails. And we know that actually we're probably going to switch you over to mostly doing campaigns because that's the, one of the things we do. Okay, great. So we need to we need to do that piece of education for you. And so, so this works really nicely in terms of being able to make sure that we have this matrix information. Uh, inc incidentally, incidentally, little sub tip. If you do the webinar thing we just talked about, what that means is the, the show-up sequence that you send out, so the emails that go out between somebody registering for a webinar and attending a webinar can be different based on what they've chosen. So either a different sequence altogether, or you can just include some different paragraphs using that conditional content. So for example, we would ask, actually one of the questions I forgot, there's a fourth question, which is what's your biggest challenge with email marketing right now? And it's things like getting click-throughs, getting opens, um, decreasing unsubscribes, etc. We're going to cover all those things on the webinar because, you know, that's why they're there. But at the same time, we can run you an email sequence that specifically says, we noticed in the survey you said you really need help with decreasing unsubscribes. Most people unsubscribe because of this. Don't worry, though. We've got this really ninja thing. We're going to teach it on the webinar. And right. that literally, I mean, I don't know the exact number, but it more than doubled our show up rate for the webinars just by having a really defined sequence of emails that went out between somebody signing up and somebody attending the webinar. So that in terms of data points, we are doing it now because it's automated. We will tag people based on as much as we possibly can. So I would ideally tag people based on their answer to every important question. Now, 
So let's talk about implementation of that because is there a point of diminishing returns? Like if you have, like you said before, if you have three questions or you said four, four questions, each one has four possible answers. You have went three and three. It's a lot of emails to write for each. So how do you easily customize each of those? So basically the way that it tends to work is that for the most part, the thing that you sell people immediately. So one of the big advantages of the way that we do things is that it gets you a faster return on investment. That was one of the big goals. So we live in a world where nobody can deny acquiring subscribers, acquiring traffic, etc., is getting more and more complicated. It's getting more and more difficult. It's getting more and more expensive and getting a return on investment from those people is getting more difficult as well. And so one of the major reasons for that is that we're all doing the same thing. We give away a free report, for example. Somebody puts their name and email address in, and then on the next, uh, you know, the next thing that happens is we sell them something that is sort of a, a rough guess as to what they might want based on the thing they just asked for. So you asked for this free report, and therefore you probably want help with this. But that's really just a guess at best. And it's better to have it there than not to have it there, admittedly, because you're going to pick up some money. But it's not perfect. And therefore, people are finding it harder and harder to get a return on investment with that. We all know that to be true. So one of the things that we really want to use Response Week for is to, and this survey thing, is to get a return on investment faster. So there's two things that we do. First of all, as soon as somebody fills out the survey, big tip, take them to a different page straight afterwards where you sell them, a, sell them the thing they've just asked for. What's great about that is that's being done without any emails or anything at all. Like literally, it's just a case of fill out this thing and, and, and then instantly land on a page where you sell them the right product. So for example, if you said what in the survey, I really need help with increasing my open rate, then on the thank you page, as soon as they hit submit on the survey, you might have a really cool $7 product. I'm just making the price up. $7 product, which is about 52 amazing subject lines that in, that quadruple your open rates on your emails. That's an exact solution which helps them overcome the problem they've just told you. So you've got an immediate solution to the problem that helps you liquidate that, that investment you've made in traffic, which means you can buy more traffic. So that's a really nice way to use it without actually having to write the extra emails. And we'd 100% recommend that you do that. Now, in terms of the email bit itself, what we don't suggest you do is to say, okay, great. Well, there's four questions and each of them has four answers. That's 16 potential tags people could have. And therefore I need to create 16 different products blah, 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 or whatever the numbers are on, on maths whiz to make, to make it all work. We're not suggesting that you create new products to make sure you fulfill every single combination of every single tag. The key really is to make sure that you take the products you've already got, the stuff that you're already creating on the stuff you want to create anyway, the stuff that you know your market needs and the stuff that you know you can serve your market with. Because at the end of the day, we should only be creating stuff, obviously, that, that we can actually do, the, stu the stuff that's actually going to be good. You know, there's stuff my list probably want that I just can't help them with because I don't have the skills to do that. So we don't want to be creating stuff we don't have the skills to serve them with, obviously. But I want to create the stuff that I want to take the stuff I do have the skills to serve my audience with and make sure I put it in front of the right people. So this, the key is to take the products you've already got or the products that you're already planning to create anyway, and you ask the questions that you need to ask in order to put people into the sequence to sell them those products. So what we tend to do is the, the way that a lot of businesses work is somebody will opt in for a thing, they'll join your list, they'll register for a webinar, and then they'll go into an automated sequence where you sell them, uh, you sell them one thing over the course of say five emails, right? And then they get to the end of that sequence and then they go, okay, great. Well, they, they did or didn't buy that. Now let's put them in the next sequence and they go through that and then they, they do or don't buy it. And then they go into the next sequence. And effectively what that means is if you've got four products, and you're sending five emails for each one, and that's quite a conservative number. If somebody wants the product that happens to be fourth in your sequence, they've got to go through like 15 plus emails in order to get to the one 
that they actually want. Uh, sorry, 20 plus emails in order to get to the one that they actually wanted. Like it's, it's within that last batch of emails that they're going to actually start receiving. And most people will have unsubscribed by then. So what we would recommend that you do, and this is a really simple shift, is to take those follow-up sequences that most people have that go out one after the other and just stack them. So they all go out at the same time, but only to the relevant people. So somebody fills out a form, um, somebody fills out your survey, and then they go into the email sequence that sells them the thing they've just asked for. So while some people are going through the first sequence, other people are going through the fifth sequence all at exactly the same time. And again, it's all about shortening that return on investment. Now, from that point forward, so that there's, there's really no extra work there to do than what most people will already have set up. You just have to have a follow-up sequence of emails for each of the products that you sell, not each of the tags that you've got or each of the systems that you've got. So that's really cool. But then after that, the, the place where this tagging really comes into play is whenever you're opening a new program, whenever you're doing something new, is that you're going to stop doing this blanket broadcast center all marketing. You're going to log in and use those tags in order to pull up a search of people who are perfect for the thing you're sending right now, which means that people only receive offers that are relevant to them. They only see, receive offers that they can actually invest in that are actually actually going to help them right now. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Well, guys, this is a ton of great information. You know, there was something you said in there that I want to make sure we get out. If people want to check out that webinar, where do they go? Uh, the webinar right now is just being done as private promotions. So, but uh, we do we actually have put something special together just for you, Daryl. So one of the things that we um, one of the things we do, obviously, responsibly to our favorite thing, uh, you know, we created it because out of a need because we actually needed to use it. But obviously, in creating it, it's a really expensive thing to do. And we realized, actually, do you know what? A, we should sell this. And B, other people probably need this, too. And then we realized other people definitely need this, too. And so we put it together and made it into a, a software solution we're so, so proud of, uh, all built up here in the lovely, cool northeast of England. Uh, and basically, we've put together a, a little a thing for for your listeners, which is basically if you want to grab a 14 day free trial of the software and actually try it out. Um, and on top of that, uh, we'll give you a, a four part training series that we did called the Survey Marketing Masterclass, where we basically teach eight different implementations of surveys within marketing. So that surveys within email marketing, surveys within webinars, surveys within membership sites and recurring sites, uh, surveys within high ticket applications. And they're all based around the idea of increasing your profitability, increasing your lifetime customer value, and shortening that time to get your return on investment for your ad spend. Now, when we did the program, it was $497, but we'd like to give that to your listeners uh, for free. Just for taking the trial. And uh, also uh, like a free onboarding call with us. It's not like it's with somebody on our team. It's literally with what, me or Kennedy. We'll just jump on the call with you and we'll literally spend an hour building it out for you in your business. Like we'll help you put the emails in place and make sure that it makes sense. Because the way you use this software is going to vary from business to business. For some people, it's going to be best to use it in a membership site. For some people, it's going to be best to use it uh, as part of an application form. And the reason we're doing these onboarding calls is because we're not in the business of just selling useless, empty, vacant accounts that people aren't using. That's not what we want to do. We genuinely want to ch completely transform the way people do email marketing to make sure that we all start getting more relevant, more interesting emails. And the only way to do that is by using this kind of system. So that's the reason we want to help you do it. So we actually start using it and start getting results from it because that means you're going to become a long-term customer of ours, but also you're going to start building your business. And the way you get to this, uh, this special deal we've put together to get the Survey Marketing Masterclass, the 14-day free trial, and the onboarding call, is ex don't go to responsesuite.com to get that because you just have to get the normal deal. But if you go to responsesuitedeal.com slash best, responsesuitedeal.com slash best, and you sign up there, you'll be able to take advantage of that special offer. 
Perfect. All right. So anyone that's interested in this and wants to take a look, they can go to responsesweetdeal.com forward slash best. Uh, guys, Kennedy, Rob, you guys are awesome. That's a great call. It's a very valuable topic. It really is. The more you can talk to people about something they're interested in, the more you're going to hold their attention and the more you're going to you're going to make for sure. Is there anything I didn't ask you that I should have asked you? Uh, just about our hair color. <laughs> yeah, there's no video here, so they can't see the flair you guys have going on, but I'm sure they heard it in your voices. Um, you guys are awesome. Thank you for coming and sharing with us and helping uh, enlighten everybody on such an important topic. Even remind oh, Absolutely, me. our pleasure. I mean, yeah. do you know what it is, actually? We'd love to know how you felt about this episode and the stuff that we shared. And obviously, Daryl does such a great job. He has, like, the best guests ever and shares so much amazing stuff. And honestly, it's an honor for us to be part of this. So we'd love to know what you felt about it. And we thought of a really fun way to, sh to share this. So be brave and do this because we've got to make change to make things happen, right? So... We would love you to tweet us. And this is everybody listening. Every single person. Tweet us with a photo of your face, which expresses how you felt about this episode and the things you're going to do. And tweet us at Response Suite with a photo of your face showing us how you feel about this episode. <laughs> That's a great idea. I love that, guys. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for being a part of the show. Everyone that's paying attention, if you got your phone handy, definitely go check that out. I think that's fun. It's very interactive. So response suite, S-U-I-T-E. All right, check it out. Guys, thank you so much. Appreciate your time and looking forward to talking to you again. You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.